Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or one 800 925-1120, and you can get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show, and we can talk about anything that you want. Related annuals, how are your annuals still doing? Yeah, you can keep fertilizing them. I'm going to probably make one more fertilization on mine, and that's going to be it for the rest of the year. I don't have a huge amount of annuals. This year I decided to go not annual-wise, I'm using tropical houseplants for color as opposed to classic annuals. Your bulbs, Brightside St. Louis sent me an email today saying they're going to be shipping my tulips, daffodils, and other bulbs that I ordered from them. They were shipped yesterday, so I don't in the next couple of days are going to be at my home. I got a couple hundred bulbs, and the majority of them I put in larger pots. The pots stay outside all winter long, cold, rain, everything else. And uh, then in the springtime, spectacular. And then I have a couple different bulbs that I harvest and keep each year. So uh, mainly grape hyacinths, that's the one I have. I probably have a couple hundred of those bulbs. And I, at the end of the season, in the springtime, after they finish flowering, I just dig all the bulbs up. I take them into the garage. I put them in a cardboard box and just let them dry out there. And then I plant them the following fall. So how about your houseplants? Better get them inside soon. I have houseplants. I haven't moved inside, so I'm saying that. But uh, mine are pretty tough. And what I'm going to do is probably wait more towards the end of the month. And how about your lawn? Your zoysia grass, mine's already starting to turn a little bit tannish. So you can expect that. But your bluegrasses and fescues should be looking spectacular. Your perennials, as they go to sleep... Go ahead and cut all the foliage off, all the stems. Don't just let it lay there because it could be in a situation for insects, diseases, and stuff like that to be on the foliage. Roses, leave them alone. Uh, probably we're almost to the point where you sh- with your roses, you should let the rose hips begin to start to form. You can, you know, if you want to, you can. I think you make one more cutting to get rid of the, you know, the fly, the spent flowers. And there should be another flush. I noticed my knockout roses are starting to have another flush as well. Vines, trees, shrubs, water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take. Greg is producing today, and uh, he always does a fantastic job. So as I always say, if he wasn't here doing a great job, this is what you'd be hearing from the Garden Hotline. Nothing, in other words. (laughs) So during the week, I do landscape consulting. And my apologies, there's been a couple people that have contacted me about setting up an appointment, and I've missed, you know, miss, you know let's say I, there's been a, some complications, and I've not been able to get back in touch with them. I certainly apologize for that. That's my fault for not doing it, but uh, 
Yeah. Anyway, I've got an appointment or a landscape, a walk and talk after the show today on Devonshire in the city. So uh, the walk and talk, I share 40 years of experience related to your home's landscape, care and maintenance, plants and all that stuff. Now, a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The tip of the trowel goes out to actually part of the Missouri Botanical Garden. And what part of it? Yes, it is actually the Sophia M. Sachs Butterfly House at Faust Park. And that's on Olive Boulevard, just north of Highway 4064. And what they're having right now is something called Boo, B-O-O-T-E-R, Booterfly, Booterfly, ha, scary stuff. So Butterfly House is, Butterfly House has been transformed to Butterfly House for October with daily activities and featured events. Visitors, visitors can meet frightful new friends in the Scorpion's Lair. You can see botanicals gone mad in the conservatory and spy on spectacular spiders and little Miss Muffets during the day. And also there's going to be some carnivorous plant feedings going on there as well. All this was going to be going. The carnivorous plant feedings are going to be at 1 o'clock. And all the activities are included in regular mission price. So Booterfly, Booterfly, Booterfly House. So in other words, it's a butterfly house in Chesterfield. So... Scary stuff going on in the Butterfly House. So we've been there a couple times, and it's, it's really kind of interesting and fun. So let's see if we can get a call in before we go to break. Let's go to Tom, and Tom's in South County. Hi, Tom. Hi, how are you? Good. Hey, Bob, when, excuse me. When can I start to put out my winterizer fertilizer? Uh, I'd probably wait until maybe uh, end of this month, early November. And uh, do you have any recommendations on a type of fertilizer for that? No, just so, you know, just so it's winterizer, because that that has pretty much all the fertilizer companies. Maybe the analysis is not exact, but they sh- should all have all the same micronutrients, so it doesn't really matter which one you use. All righty. Now, also, I have some um, uh, tree and shrub food fertilizer uh, left over. Can when can I put that around some trees? Don't do it going into winter time because. By the time it's uptaken by the root systems and everything else and pushed up to into the trees, those trees should be totally dormant, and you might force some new growth. So it's a little bit, you know, I don't like to fertilize trees and shrubs going into wintertime. I'd prefer so to you did, do it midwinter. Do like early, early spring? Either that or during the wintertime, after everything is pretty much shut down. Okay, after everything goes pretty well dormant, then you can put it out. Right, exactly. Okay, thank you. Yep, and it may not cause any problems to put it out now, but I, you know, it just makes me a little bit eerie. So, Mike Miller, KMRS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, sometimes I wish we could actually put on air the things that Greg and I, or whoever happens to be here producing, or Megan, or any. We talk about during these breaks. I mean, it's, sometimes it's just totally nutty and crazy. But anyway, let's go to Granite City, and we're going into Sandy's yard. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Mike. Uh, just a quick question. Uh, I heard you talking to the lady earlier about uh, raccoons in her yard tearing yes. it up. I have moles, and I last year I had them, and I had a professional come, and they said, yeah, they could take care of them for several hundred dollars. They did not. They're back, and... And my my soy yard has always been 
gorgeous, you know, but I I don't know. I've had grub treatment done because they said that attracts the moles, and then now they've said the earthworms attract the moles. How do I get rid of them? First of all, grubs do not attract moles. Earthworms attract moles. Earth Grubs just lay there. They don't move. How moles understand that there's earthworms and where to tunnel towards is as the, as the earthworms tunnel you know, through the ground, underneath the surface, they make noises. And that's what moles hear, and that's where they go to get the earthworms. So it is an earthworm circumstance. So if you have earthworms, that means you have a fairly nice yard. And with the moles, you virtually the only way to get rid of them is to get you know have a professional service. And yes, it is expensive to come out and put traps. But you know, I mean, there's no there's no other way to get around it. I mean, seriously. And uh, I mean, once you get rid of them, and you're sure you're getting rid of them, and you've gotten rid of them. I mean, people have put vibrators in the ground on the, you know, yeah. let's say the property perimeter, and that vibration apparently is at a frequency that keeps moles out. But I've never really had any experience with those personally, so I can't say I endorse them. But it might be something to consider after you get in the moles trapped. But sometimes you don't know how many. Generally, you're only going to have one or two moles in your yard. You're not going to have, unless it's early February, that's when the females have just had babies and you're going to have more. But initially, moles are very territorial, and the bigger, stronger ones push the other ones out. But trapping is about the only thing that's really effective. And my husband's tried those sober things, you know. I, I, I lost him a couple of years ago, so I've been hiring other people to right. do stuff. But, uh, okay, well, I think I, if I go to another uh, company that, that uh, says they can get rid of them, I'll go to a different one than I had before because they didn't, they didn't help at all. But that's the only way. And the grub... The grub uh, treatments that I'm paying for are doing no good then, right? Absolutely no good related to moles. And actually no good related to your zoysia sod because grubs do not eat root systems of zoysia. Okay. Can, they can be in the ground, but they're not causing damage. Grubs only cause damage to bluegrasses. Okay. There's five different kinds of grubs in the ground, five different types of beetles that you know these grubs ultimately become. But there's only one that does damage and it only does damage to bluegrass. Right. There are good for your soil. If you've got earthworms, that means your soil is in pretty good shape. So that's the way, the only reason your soil's in, I mean, the only reason your zoysia was in good shape is because you had, you know, part of it was related to the earthworms. Yeah. So it's a vicious circle. Absolutely. Nothing in nature makes any kind of sense and nothing is easy. I know the guy cutting my grass out, he says, tell me if you see any movement, I'll come over with a shovel and... uh, you know, not, not <laughs> them and, you know I, I don't know. Okay, well, I'll keep trying. Yep, right. And, you know, the mole movement a lot of times is going to be early in the morning and later in the day, too. So thanks, Sandy. And now let's go to Joyce. And Joyce is in Maryland Heights. Hi, Joyce. Hello. Hi. Oh, I'm in Fairview Heights. Oh, Fairview Heights. Sorry. Yeah, hey, that's okay. I got two questions. Um, when can I move the um, flowering bulbs, like dahlias? I, I just got them in the wrong place. And what what can I do with a spotted cucumber beetle to get rid of them? Basically, insecticides with a beetle, the cucumber beetle, you're going to have to go out with an insecticide like seven or something like that and just spray it right on each individual one as you see it. 
There's not a preventative oh, okay. that you can do for the cucumber beetle. Oh. And as oh, far okay. as the dahlias, dahlias are not hardy, so you're going to have to dig the tubers up and uh, you know store them in like in the garage or something for the winter time. So okay, frost. Okay, thank you. Yep. And the, yeah, the dahlias. I mean, there was a house down the street from me that had spectacular dahlias for multiple years. Now, the last couple of years, they've stopped growing them. I think what they did is they got tired of digging them and they left them in the ground and it just got, you know, they just froze in the ground. So, a lot of the stuff that is spectacular in the summertime, like elephant ears, cannas, all that other stuff, dahlias, those tubers, you know, some of the cannas people are able to. Because of where they're located in their landscape, they put mulch over the top of them, and they do come back every year, but there's no guarantee it's going to. So thanks, Joyce, from Fairview Heights over in Illinois. Now let's go to Randy in St. Peter's. Hi, Randy. How many cannabis people are able? Hello? Yes, go ahead. Randy, Hello, are you there? You yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Hey, long-time listener, first-time caller. I got a uh, two-fold question here. When's the best time to prune uh, uh, some knockout roses? Basically, you wait until we've had a hard frost, hard freeze. That's going to be, you know, if you're talking about for the wintertime dormancy, that's going to be sometime late November, early December. Now, during the growing season, you can prune them back, you know, to get rid of the, you know, spent flowers and all that other stuff. That's called deadheading. But as far uh-huh. as pruning them totally, you know, for the, reduce the size or for the dormant season, that kind of stuff, wait until there's been a hard freeze. Okay. My other question, now, if, if I'm growing bamboo, how can I keep it from spreading everywhere? How <laughs> can I contain it? <laughs> Basically, have somebody come out that builds swimming pools, dig and put a swimming pool in, like regular size and everything, or whatever size you want, you're going to have to contain it with the, you know, within a concrete circumstance. There's nothing else you can really do. Either if I that put or it in like a raised a raised planter box, would it stay in there? No, it'll push out the sides. It'll go underneath. You could try yeah. it. I mean, a lot of longtime listeners heard me tell have heard me tell the story of, of bamboo that I planted in my parents' yard. It went nuts. You know, after only a couple of years, first couple of years, it just kind of sits there. But then after that, it's spread all the way across. And actually, I drove by my parents' house. They're both gone now. But uh, not too long ago, I had an appointment and, you know, off Strecker Road where, near where I live. And the bamboo's still there. So it's, Now, if I see bamboo just kind of growing, can I just dig up a cup? How, how, do, how can you transplant that stuff? What you can do is what I did is I got the original bamboo. I when we did when I worked at the Japanese or worked at the Botanical Garden, the Japanese festival was coming up. They needed to control the bamboo as far as where it was growing. I we dug up the canes and then I cut the cane off and just took three sections, like one to two foot sections of root systems, home and then planted them. And like I said, it takes a couple of years before you're going to get noticeable growth. But then after that, it's like, whoosh. so How you need the roots. Go, the roots. Yeah, so go with the roots. You don't need the canes. How deep do the roots go? Uh, basically like four to six inches. Oh, that's not bad. No, they run right along the surface. Huh. Now, if, if, if I do decide to, to grow this and it gets out of control, is it hard to get rid of it then? Yes. If I decide it's a bad idea? <laughs> it is hard to get rid of. Like I said, <laughs> my father for Father's Day, that's what he wanted me to do, go out there and you know, cut some of the bamboo down because it comes up out of the ground looking like an asparagus shoot, you know, asparagus spear, and then you just cut it off, but the root system's still there, and it's going to keep coming and coming and coming and coming. 
can you round, put Roundup and that would that be the end of it or no? Well, that'll kill, you know, it depends upon how extensive the site, you know, it is. But Roundup for regular Roundup, no. You're going to have to use Roundup for killing woody plants, which is the one that says poison ivy and woody plant killer. Lord, sounds like a hassle. Okay. <laughs> Or you Thanks can just, lot. you know, you can get a big pot and just grow some in a pot and, you know, it's not, it can explode your pot. But the, other than that, there's nothing you can do in the ground with a bamboo. To blow out the side of a pot? Yeah. God. <laughs> it's right. me. Well, it's thanks. tough. It's tough it stuff. like it. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate uh, it. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Sunday, the Chiefs travel to Houston to take on the Texans. Pre-game at 6, kickoff 7.30. Hear Chiefs football here on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Some really good gardening music, if you're crazy. (laughs) Let's go to Dixie's Yard in South County. Hi, Dixie. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a large philodendron that I want to bring in for the winter, Mm -hmm. and I don't see any bugs or anything on it, but what should I do to make sure that I don't bring anything in? First of all, fungus gnats is one of the things to be concerned with. So in other words, that's little gnats that are on the surface of your potting mix. So you can get like just regular dishwasher soap. You know, when you water, just put the dishwasher soap in the water and then... You know, like in a bucket and pour it in there. And then go to your favorite garden center and get something called Safer's Insecticidal Soap. And just spray your plants. Make sure you spray the underside of the leaf. But generally, philodendrons are pretty insect-free. But this way, it's going to, you know, should eliminate at least the majority of any kind of insect problems there would be. So insecticidal soap. Safer's Insecticidal Soap. It comes in a spray but spray the underside of the leaf. That's where the insects really hang out. We always thought, and the you know people for years just spray the outside of the leaves. I still got bug problems it's because they're on the underside of the leaf. And the best time to do spray is earlier in the morning or later in the day. That's when the insects are going to be more active. Okay. And I also have a question about my peony bushes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that they've got like brown spots on the leaves with a gray overlay. Right. And it's just, what's that? Uh, peonies are very prone to lots of different kinds of fungus problems. So you could have black spot and powdery mildew both. So in other words, I, you got to get the foliage cut off and get rid of it. Don't leave it laying around your plants. And then okay, next year, next year okay. when the foliage starts coming up, then you're going to spray, as the leaves just start coming up out of the ground and start opening, spray a fungicide on them. Uh, is there a certain type of fungicide? No, I just buy? go to you know, go to your favorite garden center and tell them you've got fungus problems on your uh, your peonies, and then they'll tell you which one that they have. They're going to give you the one that's going to work. Okay, best. so I should cut my peony bush back now. Absolutely, yes. Okay, all right, I shall do that. Uh, thank you very much, Mike. Certainly, yes. Yeah, this is the time of year to cut peonies off and get rid of the foliage. A lot of people just cut things off and let the leaves drop because they think it's going to be a mulch on their plants. No, it's not. What it is is the spores of problems or insects or whatever it happens to be can be on those leaves, and they're, you're virtually setting up a scenario where next year's growth is just going to pick up the stuff as it comes off the root system from underneath the ground. Lori lives in South St. Louis. Hi, Lori. Hi, Lori. Huh? Good morning, Mike. Hi. So good to talk to you again. I wanted to ask you, 
Last time I had spoken to you, it was about one of those little itty bitty mini um, poinsettias that people give at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And I did what you told me to do, and then she got so big and strong. I took her and I put her outside in my garden with the morning sun. So I got her on the west side of my backyard. She's outgrowing the pot, and the roots went through the drain holes and into the ground. Right. I would like to transplant her, but I know that this isn't transplanting season. But she's going to have to be put in a bigger pot. Right. Do you advise it or not at this time? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, this is a time of year when you want to prune the roots and everything of houseplants as you're bringing them in. Even technically, this poinsettia is not a houseplant per se. It is a houseplant because, I mean, it can be outside in the summertime, but in the wintertime, it's got to come inside. So pull the pot up out of the ground, cut all the root systems off, pull it up out of the pot, you know, shake the existing potting mix off. And if you want it to get bigger, then put it in a pot that's only one inch bigger than what the current one is. Or you can put it back in the same pot after you've pruned the roots with, and add some new potting mix. Okay, that's what my concern was. And I know you got other callers. My concern was whether or not to transplant her with that dirt that she's comfortable with in that little pot into the big pot. Yeah, I mean, you could leave... You can leave some of the potting mix that it has with it, but by just getting rid of the old potting mix, you're just you know enabling it to have a little bit, let's say, more fresh, you know, air. Even though it's not air, it's fresh dirt, okay. fresh when potting first, mix. Don't get potting soil. Don't get dirt. Nothing else. Okay, because when I first called you about her, she was like a cocktail straw. You should <laughs> see how big and beautiful her green leaves are. Right. And I know they're going to turn red, and I don't want to lose her. Right. So. Thanks ever so much, Mike. I appreciate yep, it. Yep, good luck with that. And, yeah, the poinsettias, my mother wasn't very good at growing plants, but she had a poinsettia that she had for a long, 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 long time. I think one of my brothers actually, you know, when she passed away, took that poinsettia, and he's still growing it himself. Let's go to Sunset Hills and into George's yard. Hi, George. Mike, just uh, two quick questions. I've uh, planted two pears and a plum tree. I understand I have to have... And I want, understand I have to have a pollinator for the plum tree. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Okay. So I saw a flowering plum. Will that pollinate the, that plum tree? Uh, certain varieties will self-pollinate. Are you sure this variety of plum that you have needs a pollinator? Well, it gives you about seven, eight, nine varieties that suggested to have. So I presume, you know, uh, it needs a pollinator. Well, is this just varieties to plant and grow? Because that doesn't necessarily mean they need another one there to pollinate. Because the majority of fruit trees are wind-pollinated. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. And then the last question. Uh, I have one of your books, the one that's uh, green. Do you have one that specifically looks at pruning, that type of thing? I don't know. I really didn't address pruning per se. I don't think in any, you know my books because the circumstance, the difficulty, it would take a whole book. There's books on pruning, but I mean, I just didn't, you know, my book didn't have that kind of space to dedicate to pruning with because we have so many different plants that we grow in this region. It just would have been virtually impossible. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you much. Yep. Thank you. And now let's go to John and Kirkwood. John, how are you today? Hi. Hi. Oh. I've got some woods, and there's uh, usually some jewelweed, you know, that impatience compensus stuff that's growing, but 
this summer they all sort of died out. And since it's an annual, how long will it take to get those things back in the woods? <laughs> they may never come back because they probably self-seeded. So if they didn't grow, they didn't produce. You know, they weren't able to produce any seeds. Do you know right, right where? Do you know right where they were? Yeah. So I would go out there and just you know gently dig around and look down and see if you can see any kind of viable root systems. And that's well, the only way that you're going to you know kind of find out if they're going to come back or not. Yeah, I mean they were they're an annual. It's been a couple months since the last ones that I saw. You know, of course, right. I'm usually out there about this time. You know, picking up the seeds. Sure. So I, you know, my my thought is they probably, you know, if they did produce seeds early on, they may have and they may come back, but uh, it doesn't sound all that good. All right. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Sorry. And anybody else has questions? Three one four. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Martha lives in Florissant. Hi, Martha. Hi, Mike. I have two questions. One is about my moms. We just planted some moms probably about four weeks ago, and we've noticed that something's digging in there. Any idea what kind of varmint would be <laughs> digging into my moms? Well, basically, they're digging just because the soil is nice and easy to dig in. It could be voles. It could be, you know, chipmunks. It could be all kinds of things. It could okay. be a squirrel. A squirrel try, just, you know, this is nice and soft here. Maybe I'll try to plant this acorn right here. Very good. My second question is I have a house plant that we had outside, and um, circumstances beyond my control, a ball hit the plant. Whoa. This plant is called a Salosa, it's yeah. spelled C-E-L-O-S-I-A, right. and it's a, called a Dracula. And the top, because it has the, I guess, flower, and right. then the green comes out of the top of it, the green all came off. Ooh. Yes. Does this mean it's going to die? Well, generally, celosia is not a house plant. It's more like an annual. <gasps> Oh, okay. So okay. bringing a celosi inside, it's going to be, it's going to look bad anyway. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> so that was some kind of plant to to plant out in the yard. Yes, I guess. right. This is a plant. It won't come back. It's an annual, so it can't take the winter time. Well, we bring all our plants inside. I've had right. a geranium for three years. Right. Geraniums can do that, but celosi. I've never heard of anybody bringing a celosi inside and having success with it. That's not to say you could try it and see what happens, but uh, if it got thumped in the head with a baseball or whatever kind of ball it was and it doesn't have any leaves on it right now and it has the plume of the flowers or if it's a crested celosia, you know, coxcomb, you can enjoy the flower, but I wouldn't have too much faith in it. Okay, because when we, when the blue when the green came off, there was no roots to it, so we thought maybe the roots were it was in the bloom. <laughs> No. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you got some kind of really weird plant. (laughs) Uh, Yes. It's an awesome plant. I have to say, we've got more compliments on it. So, 
Okay, we'll try again next year. Thanks, okay. Mike. Yep, great. Bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Hey, St. Louis, who's there to make sure your night sounds right? Hi, it's Ryan Recker. I love the late nights because it brings out the personality in people, and that's what I look for. We talk about the latest things that happen throughout the day, not only here in St. Louis, but across Missouri and the entire United States as Overnight America's for everyone. It's Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Listen, we all have our opinions. What we want is truth in discussion, and that's exactly what you're going to find on Overnight America. Overnight America, weeknights at 10 on KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go, and we do have, uh, you know, almost 10 minutes or so. So if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Actually, only about nine minutes. But anyway, that doesn't matter. David lives in Oakville. David, how are you? Yes, yes, Mike. I have a fescue lawn that had some low spots in it uh, over the years. And what I did was took Roundup, killed the grass in there, uh, took a tiller, killed that area up, and then brought in three inches of topsoil, put that on top, tilled it back in, sowed fescue, and then strawed it. Grass is up about right at three and a half, almost four inches tall in mm-hmm. places, and um, appears to be t- need to be cut. But I'm afraid to start stepping on that ground because it's still not compacted. And I was just looking for, I added three inches to get an inch. And um, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I... I should run a lawnmower over it at this point, or if I should just let it go. No, don't let it go because this could, you know, if you let it go and the blades elongate too much, if we have, a, let's say, a, a, a wet or any kind of circumstance where there's a lot of moisture, long grass blades laying on top of each other can really create a major fungus problem, especially for newly germinated seed. So you're going to have to mow it. Okay. What about tearing stuff out when I mow through it? Do not bag it. Just uh, blow it on the uh, the grass. You can, you know, you should. If it's how long has it been, you know, in the ground actually growing? Um, right at a month. Okay, so the root system should be established enough that you should be able to run the mower over the top of it. It may okay. uproot some of the, you know, some of the seedlings, but the majority should stay in place. Okay, and should I bag it or just blow it? Doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah, bagging, you know, that's just, you know, it's a personal preference more so than anything. I have a mulching mower, so it just chops it all up and it falls back in space. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep, good luck with that. And now let's go to Barbara from Belleville. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Mike. Um, I enjoy your show. I have a question about uh, Japanese maples and dogwoods. I've This summer I've lost two Japanese maples, one being very old, um, and one being maybe five years old, and they just kind of the leaves kind of just curled up, and it just they both died. Right. And I. Or it looks like they're dead. It looks like they're dead. I mean, um, should is there something happening with those disease recently or? No, it's not disease. It's weather related. And the older one are these Japanese maples that kind of look like umbrellas with a very fine textured leaf. Or are these the ones that get twenty the, feet high? The, yeah. The old one is uh, the yeah, the, it's kind of twisted and it's a real fine leaf, and that's the one that's 
at least, I guess it's probably at least 35 years old. Well, the, uh, congratulations. Old. If you kept one alive that long, you did a great job. Oh, well, good. But then the other one was kind of a a newer one that was maybe seven or eight years old. Right. And it, it just recently, just everything turned brown and curled up. Yeah. It's, um, and then I have two dogwoods that I've, now they've kind of, thinned like over the, last year they looked a little thinner and then this year one is just dead everything dropped the leaves curled up and that was maybe a 12 year old dogwood and then another one is kind of looking bad and i have several in the yard some look great but then these two kind of look bad and i is there something i can do for those dogwoods no basically not just you know hopefully you're watering through this very drought circumstance yeah. And if you were doing yeah. that, then the circumstance or the situation of where this particular dogwood that went downhill is, mm-hmm. it just wasn't really well established to be able to handle our weather circumstance. And I the see. one that I looks see. like it's declining, the same situation. Yeah. So the ones that look really great, they have well-established root systems and whatever else yeah. it happens to be. So, But I would say there's not really, t- you know, don't do any fertilizing. Just continue yeah. to water and just kind of keep your fingers crossed. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Mike. Certainly. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's really kind of discouraging when you see certain things, you know, you got several of the same plants in the, you know, in your landscape, some do well, some don't, but you have to understand that everybody's yard is soil. Everything else is not consistently the same throughout the entire yard. Patrick lives in blackjack. Hi, Patrick. No, Philip. Oh, sorry. Philip. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, Mike, <laughs> my question. Uh, uh, the first, the gentleman with the lawn, he probably answered my question, but here we go. Um, I I have two German Shepherds. I had a mole problem, and I guess they rid me of it. But the problem is they have totally messed up my backyard. Right. <laughs> uh, I have I have spots where no grass grow at all. There's nothing there but dirt. The question is, uh, should I what what should I do there? Should I retill that yard and and resolve it? Uh, what, what, tell me what I need to do. Basically, <laughs> let, let me tell you a story related to my neighbor across the alleyway. His name's Tom. He's a fireman. He has two bigger dogs. And he mm-hmm. had a small plot of grass in his backyard. And it be- virtually, because of the dogs, you know, just laying and walking and everything, is digging and whatever, running back and forth, he couldn't get any grass to grow there. So, so what he did <laughs> to be able to have grass, he fenced it off and he's keeping his dogs out. So, I mean, there's really not too much you can do. If you've got bigger dogs, they're so, their feet are going to compact, and so there's not really too much you can do. You can rototill it, do anything you want to, but it's going to be ended up, you know, it can look great. You can keep the dogs out of there for a while, but as soon as the dogs are able to go back, whether it's running along the fence or anything else, mm-hmm. then it's going to be right back to where it is. Wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that was this was a very interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to be a realist, but I mean, I could tell you go, you know, go out. Uh, you should have been out in the eclipse dancing or something, and that would have. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Hey, but thanks for your help. Thank yep. You. Thanks. And Carol is in Florissant. Hi, Carol. 
Uh, yes, I have uh, some butterfly bushes mm-hmm. that I planted, and I don't know whether to trim them now or trim them in the spring or what to do about them. <laughs> Basically, they're summer bloomers, so you can prune them now if you want to. There are still some flowers probably on them. Most of the moss slash butterflies, they're still out there active, not the yes, big— Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, leave them, and then you got from the time they finish flowering— and the foliage starts falling off all the way up until the new growth begins in the spring. So you have about five months to prune them. Oh, all right. That's what I was wondering about. I have one other question, too, and it's about a jade plant that I have outside. It's getting quite large. Right. And I need to bring it in, and I need to know if there's anything special I have to do um, as far as maybe some new potting soil or something, or just leave it be. If it looks healthy, it looks fine, don't do anything anything yep okay all right thank you very much yep and uh jerry in st charles can you do it kind of quick yes uh god listen to you about the mold problems yes what i've done what i've done several times is get dry ice put dry ice at several places in the uh tunnels and it's co2 gas and it kills them immediately wow no problem yeah uh, I, I, get, am, I get my dry ice out to all, over and over in the Arctic Ice Company. Uh-huh. Well, so great. Does, well, thanks for that insight. Job. I've never, ever okay. heard of that, but it makes perfectly good sense. So thanks, Jerry, very much. And thanks for all the callers today. Boy, this is just going to be a very, very, you know, let's say uneventful fall related to, you know what? Leaf color. Some of the trees are leafing or coloring up right now, but it's not going to be any of those spectacular type things. Every year is going to be different, so there's no getting around it. So just make sure, I want to continue to say this, keep watering your plants. Keep watering your lawn, your trees, your shrubs, everything. Because even things that are more drought tolerant, they're going to have a real tough, difficult time. Because it's not only just the the plant themselves, but the soil... You know, damp soil acts as an insulator. So that's really crucial. So water, water, continue to water, continue to water, continue to water, 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 water. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, I will see you next week. KMOX. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.